Hi everyone and welcome back to our podcast on watch. In this episode we will talk about organizational culture and learning from failures. We will look at different types of cultures within an organization and how much can it impact the overall performance of of course the organization and most importantly the people that work in it. With us today we have Dr. Torkel Soma who is one of the founding members of a consultancy service called Safer. He holds a doctor degree in using artificial intelligence and machine learning to identify actual safety performance of organizations. Dr. Sharma has early had a role in as a management consultant for about 100 odd companies worldwide, mostly in the maritime and the energy sector. Other than being a founding member of Safer, Torkel is also responsible for research and development within the organization. and he has published a range of articles which have inspired me and a number of other individuals like myself around the world so dr torkel welcome to our podcast thank you eknal i've always had this one question every time i've read your paper what has inspired you to pursue a career in or career rather let me say life in this health and safety industry yeah um that is an interesting question um What's what's for sure is that I have never had a roadmap or a plan for how I would do my career. Um, I'm not that kind of person. I I'm more a kind of person that um, when it comes to a crossroad, uh, I see that uh, it's important to make the decision that I feel is uh, is right. And at some stage during my my uh, um, education, uh, I come to this crossroad where where. I should kind of specialize in what I'm going to do. Um at that time uh, it had several major incident have uh, had happened um uh, in Europe and Asia and yeah all over the world. And um uh, that these uh, accident they they had an impact on me. So so um when I had the option to to kind of um, get in depth to understand how, why this accident happened. then uh, i really felt that that was a meaningful way uh, we're going to work all our lives and it's uh, better to have a good purpose uh, to follow you have reviewed a number of maritime casualties over the years can you share some insights with us uh, that you have learned about safety in general yeah i can do that um and uh, this is a important topic for me as well um because when i was finished uh, and started as a consultant back in 2004 um of course uh, safety involves everything as i said and 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 that makes it also a bit complex uh, it involves procedures it involves technology it involves um, human training and everybody can say that uh, all of these elements are important for safety so uh, what helped me a lot was to kind of uh, sort out different things or strategies to influence safety and uh, we we often use three different strategies to explain this and um the first strategy to improve safety is of course to to prevent failures from happening and you have all the procedures in place today to checklist training to to prevent failures from happening a lot of focus on prevention of failures but sometimes failures will happen um and then you have to be good in managing these failures as well and uh, the third one uh, strategy is to to also handle crisis situations 
yeah so so prevention of failures management of failures and handling crisis are these three strategies and what we've seen is that uh, um, a lot of focus in the industry is on the first and the third one uh, i've been working for that for for uh, decades uh, um, Maritime industry have been known to be very good in handling emergencies. Uh, and since especially the ISM code was introduced, we have had a lot of focus on the first strategy, developing management systems and checklists and have a good reporting system in place. Uh, what haven't been given much focus is on the second strategy to manage failures. And like you said, I've been reviewing a lot of accidents, both in the maritime industry and other industries. And, and what um, suddenly became very clear for me was that in most or almost all of these major incidents, uh, somebody were aware of the failures before the accidents happened. And that is an important uh, learning because if people, somebody are aware of these failures before the accidents happened, then the potential to, to prevent this accident is huge if you manage to develop a culture that manages failures in an effective way. From my own experience, Torkel, knowledge of a near miss or a failure, as you have mentioned, in, is sometimes required as per the safety management systems. Now, is that not enough? The pattern that we that we see, we see that in many of the major incidents that we have, um, have reviewed, the management systems are fairly similar to other companies. Uh, they, they have all been certified by classification societies. Um, there's no big deviations between that can, can explain the, the, why these companies had experienced these accidents. And also handling of crisis situations that can't explain why these uh, companies experienced these accidents. But what we see is that there's a huge difference when it come to, comes to the second strategy, how they manage failures. We can see that in, in uh, a mature company, most people believe or believe that their colleagues will share mistakes, their own mistakes to other colleagues. While in an immature company, we see that maybe 70, 80% believe that colleagues would not uh, reveal or share their mistakes to, to other colleagues, which is a huge, huge difference. And that is kind of the, the direction that we have uh, focused on in safer to to really help companies in order to be better in managing these failures before they escalate into critical situations that's very interesting Torkel. now when you talk about managing or learning from failures or let's say managing failures what is uh, what does it take for a mature organization is is this a sort of a leadership style that you think is influencing this kind of a uh, management or does it got to do with uh, the culture within the organization? Where would you be more inclined to uh, investigate? This first and third strategy I talked about, they, these are really easy to address by requirements, external requirements. Uh, you, you, have, um, you can require that they follow the procedure. You can require that the company have a safety management system in place. But this second strategy, how you manage failures effectively, that's very dependent on the, the culture in the company. It's very difficult for uh, an external body to require that a captain should uh, trust his third officer, for instance. This is something that has to be created within the company in the way that the people interact. So, so uh, what we have done is to, to really 
go through all the literature around these topics. We have a lot of learnings from, from the aviation industry, how they have spent uh, decades in improving how, how the different um, team members uh, collaborate well in order to, to address failures so that they don't escalate into major incidents. We have looked into safety culture, the research in mostly in uh, Europe and Western countries, uh, how that uh, explains uh, how they, um, what it is that makes a difference in a way. And that's also how leaders uh, make an uh, environment where, where people feel more uh, open um, and feel free to speak up if they, they see something. And then we also looked into research on really safe organizations, high reliability organizations, uh, which um, have a huge exposure, risk exposure, but still manage to have no incidents. What are the characteristics of these uh, organizations? And, and that's what we also learned that the common pattern is how people collaborate is, is what is making the difference. So um, we have uh, I've probably gone through questionnaires uh, for two for 300,000 people uh, in my career uh, trying to investigate what um, the culture is like and what we see is explaining the the performance best is uh, how so what we call leadership behaviors that is describing how how people in an organization uh, collaborate in order to address these failures before they escalate into critical situations. Can you tell us about these eight different leadership behaviors and uh, just describe us, uh, describe a little bit about these different behavior patterns that you observed? Yes, these eight leadership behaviors are um, trust. That's trust in, in, co in colleagues, trust in the management, trust in the system. Then the next one is care. That's care for the job, care for colleagues. Openness, which is uh, openness for the possibility that something can go wrong. Learn, learning from failures, learning from uh, root causes and uh, being inspired by that. Then the fifth one is feedback, giving feedback to each other. Uh, sixth is uh, speak up, that you speak up if you see something is wrong or you have a concern. Seventh is teamwork, how you work together with the colleagues to address failures so that they feel that it's okay to have other colleagues to check your work, for instance. And then the eighth one is how you manage dilemmas. Um, so trust is how people believe that other colleagues have good intentions and, and um, they don't have any hidden agendas. Uh, also trust is important for the trust that you have in the company and the, in the management system. So this, uh, this is one clear leadership behavior as, as we, we refer to, which is really fundamental to develop a organization culture that uh, manages failures in an effective way. The next one is care. And care is more how people take ownership of their work, that uh, they, um, they take ownership uh, even beyond their formal duties so that uh, they see something that is important, uh, even though it's not their responsibility, they, they feel this, uh, this care for the job that they really want to, to address it, even though it's not their responsibility. 
And the next uh, leadership behavior that is important is openness. Uh, so openness uh, is what uh, is re really about to be open that things can be can go wrong. You can make mistakes yourselves to have that mindset, and also be because when you have that openness for for that you you yourself can make a failure, then you will also be more open for input from others and, uh, and more open for for. Um, for the possibility that things can go wrong. So these three, uh, trust, care, and openness, that, that's what we call the three fundamental, foundational uh, leadership behaviors. You need to have these in place in order to, to really be effective in, in managing failures. And the remaining five, they are, they are, are um, what we call conditional leadership behaviors because the, you need them, but uh, they're not that effective if you don't have trust, care, and openness in place. So you would say that these three um, behaviors that you mentioned, trust, care, and openness, they are like the foundation of the leadership behavior. Is that right to say? Again, this so, is not something that we say, but we have data to prove that, actually. When it comes to leadership behaviors, we know how fragmented shipping industry is in general. A same owner or a manager could very well have two different geographical locations with completely different management structures and which could also mean a very different leadership behavior. So Torkin, my question to you is, is it even practical to expect that these two different locations have actually consistent leadership behaviors? Yeah, um, if you don't give attention to the trust, care and openness, it will definitely not be the same. Um, you often see that even from one ship to another, if you don't have any attention to these foundational leadership areas, it will develop where it can or develop very differently on board uh, different ships, even on different rotations of management on board the same ship. Yeah. So, so uh, of course, it is it, it, it is dependent that uh, the management of the the company implement these leadership areas in an effective way. And uh, but what we see is that these trust, care, and openness, uh, this is uh, an universal language, so to speak, because this is what we experience as human, in, independent of national culture. So, so it's, it's possible to implement the same leadership behaviors across different uh, offices, across different nationalities, across different uh, uh, parts of the company. But like you say, it, it's not something that will just uh, develop by itself. You have to give attention to it in order to, to make sure that it is implemented in a good way. Of course. And I, I suppose it is also another challenge to ensure that um, the, the culture that you're trying to create in a company actually trickles down to the people on board the vessel. Yep. And, and any, any challenges that you see? that you've experienced uh, from your work in this line? A lot of uh, challenges uh, in shipping on this because, uh, of course, you have the distance from the shore management to the ships. We have differences in nationalities, different time zones, different backgrounds. So it's a lot of challenges uh, to, uh, to address in order to get this, these messages across in an effective way. And maybe that's why they haven't been addressed in an systematic manner over the last uh, the decades. That's interesting, uh, Torkel. And uh, I've, I've actually uh, followed a lot of your work. Uh, and this, when I, when I uh, try and go on your website to look for some new insights, I see this one thing that always stands out to me. 
you'd like to call yourself company the culture data company. And it did confuse me in the beginning. What are you trying to imply when you say culture data company? Can you elaborate a little bit on that for me and for, perhaps for the benefit of our listeners? So where we are coming from is that uh, uh, th there are different reasons why we use this, uh, this phrase. And uh, of course, we have a lot of data. Uh, we have probably, we're probably one of the companies in the, in, the, in the world that have the most quality data on culture and management of failures um, from questionnaires and interviews and, uh, and also uh, from uh, our apps. Uh, and and what is what 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 is puzzling us a bit is that if you look on through major incidents that have happened, we see that uh, in eighty percent roughly uh, of these incidents, human mistakes and failures were part of the causal change chain. So so um, it is really difficult to prevent major incidents without understanding and taking the human element into consideration. But what we see on, on the data side is that uh, probably close to 100% of all the data that is collected through sensors and, uh, um, and um, uh, the, yeah, the, all the ways that we collect data from, from ships today is on the technical side. So we have a bias there where the focus on data collection is maybe on the, more, the part of the, the the causes that are the least likely to trigger an accident. Right. That's so a good a point. Yeah. 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 So so there's a gap, and we believe that that will that will change. Uh, when we look at in other industries, um, there have been a lot of focus on digital twins, for instance, where they, they want to represent uh, your assets and how it's operated um, uh, digitally, so that you can forecast and uh, try out different ways to operate on your digital twin instead of in real life. And what we see is there's a trend there that uh, the focus is getting more and more uh, towards the organization, towards um, uh, how, how uh, operation is, is done in a way maybe or at the expense of the technical side. And uh, then you really need a lot of data on human organization. Uh, how they collaborate, how they manage failures. And this is something that we see is really, really getting more and more attention and, 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 um, and we, we believe it's getting more and more important actually. And, and the reason for this is that if you want to um, be more proactive, you want to prevent failures or, or incidents from happening, then you have to be addressed root causes in a more effective way. And um, it is really, you don't need much data to have address direct causes. If, it, if there's something that uh, causes you to triple, to, uh, to fall or, or um, uh, failure in the procedure, that's really easy to address. Uh, you don't need much data for that. But if you want to go down to root causes behind that, you need much more data in order to make sure that you address the right uh, variables in a reliable and valid way. So that triggers uh, the need for much more data. If you want to, to, to measure these eight leadership behaviors, for instance, then you need to be, have a lot of data in order to be sure that you, you measure actually these leadership behaviors in a reliable and valid way. Because it's a bit fussy, right? And it involves a lot of people, it involves um, 
the whole organization. And you also need more data if you really want to be proactive uh, to forecast uh, what we can uh, expect of performance or incidents in the future. So all these trends uh, points towards the need for more data. And uh, we see that that is not given enough attention. And that's uh, something that we believe is going to make a difference. And that's something that we want to be part of in Safer. And if I can ask uh, Torkel, your method of collecting this data that you just mentioned about leadership behaviors or culture generally is by way of direct questionnaires, which the participants fill up and respond to. Is that right? That's uh, has been that has been uh, the the way that we have done it, um, and we still do that. Uh, and we have a lot of data on on these topics, but we have also. Because at some stage, uh, working as a consultant, we saw that we worked with bigger and bigger companies, with more and more personnel, and more and more ships. And it, at some stage, some back in 2017, we found out that either we have to recruit a lot of people or we have to change uh, our way of working. Um, at that time, we decided to focus more on uh, digital tools. So we have also a lot of digital tools to 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 implement these leadership behaviors, and these tools also provide a lot of data on what is working on what is not working uh, in the implementation in a, in in large organizations. So so we also get a lot of data from these um, digital tools uh, in addition to the questionnaires today. And, and can you elaborate a little bit more on these digital tools? I know you are you have designed certain games, uh, online games. Uh, is that what you're referring to by digital tools, or is it something else? Yeah. Uh, so we have a uh, we have different um, tools, and they are in principle they are in a way to implement a culture change program in large organizations that are spread all, all over the world to scale up the. The implementation efficiency. So it's one tool that we get a lot of attention on, and that is uh, the one that you are referring to now. And that's the 3D simulations. You can also use it as VR, actually, um, where you 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 are in this simulation. You are in your daily work, working on board a ship, uh, and um, yeah, interact with your colleagues. And in this interaction, you 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 can uh, uh, make it easier to address failures and prevent failures from uh, escalating or you can make it worse and and so in this simulation you also experience uh, how how uh, you manage failures in an effective way uh, and if you don't do it the right way of course then accidents will happen so it's an effective way of uh, of uh, raising the awareness and understanding of these eight leadership behaviors on board or in an organization in a daily work. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to ask you about one of the insights now, Torkel, that you've written. I believe it's also been published on Safety for Sea. It's regarding the Estonia disaster. And first, let me also share a bit of reflection from our side as insurers because we see a lot of incident reports uh, through the year, small, big, very big, uh, in terms of just the severity or the impact or the consequences of the incident. 
And uh, sometimes we wonder why did they not discuss a certain work plan before implementing it or executing it. Hmm. And when I read your insight, uh, which basically says uh, the Estonia disaster, a bottomless source of learning, I immediately started reflecting back on all those other reports that I've read in the past, uh, which I sometimes have felt were either inadequate or rather too biased or too focused on just one aspect of the incident. Mm. So tell me uh, what, uh, what, just share with us uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, your reflections, immediate reflections on the Estonia disaster. And what should we bear in mind when we reading reports such as this one that you're referring to? Yeah, um, one of the reasons uh, that we chose to go into the Estonia accident was that it is often referred to as a technical incident. So I mentioned that 80% of all incidents are caused by human failures, but at, at surface, this seems like an accident that is uh, caused solely by a technical failure of the bow visor. Um, the bow visor fell off and they got uh, water on, uh, seawater on the car deck and it um, uh, capsized and then pondered. And that was um, a huge disaster, of course. So, so what we what we would like to do is to understand in this kind of accident that had a, so much technical focus, can we also see our eight leadership behaviors? And in this accident, that's uh, what we would like to 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 explore. Uh, so, so we. And there have been a lot of uh, writing and investigation into this accident uh, over the years. Uh, so, uh, so we have also read through as much as we can of, of that. And uh, um, what was surprising when we went through all this material is that we also see that uh, many of the eight leadership behaviors were at play in the Estonia disaster as well. So that sums up our discussion with Torkel on topics like organizational culture, leadership behaviors, and learning from failures. And I'm sure a lot of you would be wondering, what's so loss prevention about organizational culture? I've had the same question. In fact, not recently. I've had this question in my mind since the time I've been sailing. Um, when I started sailing back in 2000, and I've worked with different organizations, worked on different types of ships and have experienced cultures as well as leadership behaviors that have always had an impact on my own performance. And the question I always had was, to what extent does culture impact performance? And I'm pretty aware of uh, the common saying that goes like culture eats strategy for breakfast. I, I just didn't understand if we could actually put a number to it. Uh, uh, something which is more tangible to look at. And through my discussions with Torkel, I have learned that there is perhaps a way in which you can measure the safety performance of an organization culture and the impact of leadership behaviors on the people that work in the organization. And I hope through this podcast, we have been able to cover some of those topics that uh, you may have found interesting. This is, folks, this is just a journey. We have only got started. We will certainly cover a lot more on organizational cultures um, over the period of time. And I certainly hope you all tune in again to listen into our podcast. For now, once again, I would like to thank you for tuning into our podcast. 
and I hope to connect with you once again very soon. Thank you.